faith has to be first in the self that I can do this. If I failed and if I tried again with a certain intention, with a certain sincerity, I can do it. And I think that's what started to help me. Small, small turns, you know, that I would take in, in my map of failure and slowly convert small failures into small successes and then big failures into big successes and so on and so forth. Let's go! Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being with your host, Sukoon. As an advocate of conscious living, my mission is to help you young adults navigate through the confronting issues of your generation, question conventional beliefs, and choose authenticity, because that is where your true joy lies. Each week, I dive into raw conversations with inspiring guests who have undergone big shifts and are here to offer you the tools to do the same. So get ready to step up your game and jump on the ride as you begin the journey towards the next stage of your self-evolution. Welcome to the 90th episode of Becoming an Epic Being. This is a conversation you want to tune into because you'll be hearing some pretty profound insights around the game of life and your role in it, how to cultivate self-belief, own your voice, and deal with obstacles by using them as lessons for growth. My guest is Vidushi Mehra, who has played many roles in her own life. From being a banker, she transitioned into acting and now coaches people to discover their authentic voice and improve their acting skills. I promise you that everything Vidushi shares in this episode will be super pivotal to your own growth. Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being Vidushi. So great to have you. Thank you. Likewise. Yes, you have a very interesting background. I understand that you were an ex-banker turned actor. Right. How did you make that transition? Oh, well, it was really simple. I just didn't want to be working for anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) So how come you went towards acting? So acting kind of happened very, very earlier on in life uh, when I was uh, asked to do a school play at the age of three. Mm-hmm. I was three years old. I was just a little plant, you know. I was acting like a little plant at the back. But then, mm-hmm. at the age of six, I got the lead role in a ballet uh, that our school, you know, one of these annual things that the school does, which is always bigger than the other stuff that schools do. So mm-hmm. this was an annual play, and I ended up playing Lord Krishna, which was like the role. And I don't think they could find a boy. Uh, to play it so they found a girl and that that was very exciting Mm. for me as young as I was to to know who Lord Krishna was and then to have me play um, you know was was exciting and I realized that whether I played a plant or whether I played somebody like Lord Krishna as old as three and six it meant putting on a mask putting on a role putting on some Mm. performance mode which got people to clap and I made that connection. So I immediately registered that performance equals appreciation. Nice. And I tried to sort of incorporate performance in all areas of my life to receive appreciation. But it is only now in my 40s I realize that appreciation isn't sought. It's felt in words. And uh, so, but but this this was a sort of a vehicle to get onto to, to figure out what validation and appreciation meant. And acting is full of that, isn't it? 
acting it's all about yeah i mean you're acting to someone right mm. i mean even if you did a monologue you're staging it for an audience and a movie is made for an audience a play is made for an audience so and why are we showing this to an audience it's 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 the performance it's the mm-hmm. art form it's um, the degree of storytelling it's it's the, you know actors coming together to put on a show so it's mm-hmm. it's show and tell and a lot of people get affected by what they hear when the audience reacts it's a yeah it it directly impacts the actor or the performer uh, i would say this even for a public speaker now a public speaker standing on stage and he's put on a role to public speak and he's seeing the audience not fully in focus they're twitching they kind of moving their cell phones are out so that means that he's losing his audience so a performer comes under great pressure to keep a lot on to his audience because that is what he's meant to do in that moment to hold on to his audience so but then when you look at life as large and when you get out of the medium of acting you realize we're all performing in multiple roles right where where somebody in the morning where somebody in the afternoon and by the time we hit the sack we're another we're another kind of person so these different persons that live within us are wearing different roles and these roles have to be addressed correctly mm-hmm. and what happens in the course of playing these roles how do we set our expectations with others that's i think the beauty of uh, this this form this art form that i call acting well said because acting is a great platform to prepare for life because you're dealing with like you know rejections and criticisms and it's all very relevant so from a mindset perspective how do you train your students to plug out from the constant criticisms and having performance anxiety sometimes and just staying resilient and doing what they need to okay so it's important to understand what an actor needs or what a performer needs what do what do we we are looking to tell a story now how does how is a story told we need to first understand the structure we need to have the thoughts behind the story we need to have some sort of emotive quality to tell the story which means we need to have a voice and the voice needs to articulate um what the story is now these are all human skills mm. i mean it's not for me or you to say that these skills only belong with an actor or with somebody who who is a public uh persona but these are skills required by everyone because everyone is telling a story even when we're selling sure. at a bank or in a shop or in a grocery selling a story yes we're selling a story so why why do we come across some people with less effective communication skills and some people with absolutely the best right because they're able to articulate their thoughts clearly and express themselves in a way to elicit a response hmm. a lot of us don't even know what we're communicating and how to communicate that thought clearly and therefore there is no response from the other side which means somewhere there's been a barrier and that communication of that thought has failed hmm. Sure. So when I speak with my students I'm not telling them to act I'm just telling them to improvise their existing skills understand the process of communication which in turn is a basic skill that can then be improvised to be a story and then what do you need what are those ingredients you need for a story do you do you need you need a voice you need characteristics you need uh, expression you need body language 
and you need content. You need to know what you're saying. So you need to understand that memorizing your text or your script is extremely important. So even if you're speaking extempo, you have to know what you're saying in order for someone mm. to listen. So it's it's a give and take process. If we're not clearly communicating, we can't expect somebody on the other side to give us a listen. It's just that. Sure. So it's meeting that basic expectation. If you want to be heard, speak properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you obviously help people find and use their voice in a very powerful way, which is really cool because I think without a voice, there's no essence to our lives, really. Yeah. But how can you help? How, what would you say to people who really, you know, shy away from using their voice? How can they then become more confident to own their voice in oh, the world? It's quite simple. Firstly, we have to know that we're capable of speaking. Just, you know, getting rid of that fear. And it takes time. And it takes a whole lot of experiences and experiments to get there. So we start slow. We start talking to somebody who listens to us, like a confidant, a friend, your parents, your sibling, your dog, the walls of, the, the walls of your home. <laughs> and then you start recording your voice to see check to sort of test the fluidity of your voice. How are you structuring your sentences? Are you using punctuation? Are you being able to stop, breathe, move on? Are you speaking too fast, speaking too slow? Are you sounding shrill? Is there a resonance? Is there a depth? Are you, are you speaking too soft or too loud? So these are, these are tenets that, uh, you know, these are just basic markers or indicators of your voice. So when you're listening to yourself, you're the best judge. We're all the best. We're actually the best critics of our, of our own performance. We aren't the best judge necessarily because very often when you hear yourself playback, then it's very different to what you think, how you're sounding. Yeah. But you can start there. You can hmm. start there and you can sort of do a better take. You can perhaps say hmm. the same thing you said on take one and do take two and then therefore do take three. And then there are some obvious mistakes which you can eliminate uh, and then you can go on to asking for help. Hear this tape out and tell me what is wrong with me or what is wrong with my, the quality of my voice. And, you know, there is a, there's a misconception about articulation and most people think that articulation is sounding well or speaking well. But yeah. we don't understand what it takes to speak well. One is, of course, what you're saying and how clear it is that you're saying it. And then your articulators, the usage of your articulators. How are you opening your lower jaw? Are you opening your mouth wide enough or big enough? Uh, do your words come out? Um, are, your, are you shaping your lips to make the correct sounds? Uh, is your tongue, the tip of your tongue, hitting the upper palate and the lower palate? Are you enunciating by clenching your teeth? I mean, these are all the articulators that we barely exercise because no one taught us this in school. And I keep telling my students, my school students also, um, that if we were taught this in school, we'd all, be, we'd all be such better speakers. You know, we'd be clearer, we'd be, we'd be slower, we'd, we'd have the opportunity to really say with our pace what we want to say and therefore then elicit a response. I feel like there's two aspects to this. One is about using your articulators properly and enunciating, so all the technical sides. And then there's this whole other confidence slash mindset game going on, right? Like, how do I actually get up there and face an audience? How do I express my voice? So there's all these fears going around in the background that just sometimes interfere with 
the the art of speaking correct so other the other piece to this puzzle is breath work now if i'm not able to settle my breath and if i don't know what my inhalation and exhalation pattern is i will get stuck no matter how good my articulators are working because i'm breathing through what i want to say and if i am a bunch of nerves i have a dysregulated nervous system right the dysregulation in your nervous system is going to cause you to stop breathing which in turn is going to impede the way you speak so i combine voice and breath together so if somebody improve their voice they first have to understand what good breathing is and how it can help center you let you concentrate and focus keep you in in a calm mindset because i think that is where we all need to start from a calm neutral standpoint where we're not judged where we don't feel the pressure and then we slowly unravel the piece we reveal ourselves or we reveal what we're trying to say wow yes exactly who taught you this stuff by the way <laughs> i don't know i think i've been working with so many people over the years actor on stage and in film i see i see i see the gaps and you know of very often the not that i mean you know, when when a student comes to me an adult or a child they ask me the same thing and i'm like i just speak from experience it's just what i of course by virtue of what you do i'm have been for the last several years i'm sure also also it just becomes sort of ingrained you know i mean when i don't find an engagement i'm looking inward to figure out what is it that i'm not doing right what is happened with my stream of communication and why is it that i'm not receiving this so when you also have the ability to look in word you can find you can find a healthy criticism and you can find a list of things to sort out you know so it's all it's my own narrative it's what i've learned over the years it's trial and error it's hits and misses and i think you just bunch up all the hits together and you start sharing that yeah yeah exactly but what has your journey been like of um cultivating your own self belief <laughs> oh it's been a long one i i don't think i was somebody who had a lot of belief um that's been the biggest culprit of my life uh, a belief system is really what you need every human being needs a good belief system and i was not brought up necessarily to believe in religion so i didn't really have a god to pray to uh i didn't i didn't believe in idol worship i didn't believe in in going to a place of worship and i wasn't an atheist either i knew that there was a power of some kind because of which our life moves you know in these cycles and there are some things that are so rewarding because you think of something above you and you wish for something to happen and those wishes do come true so there is this cosmic mystical connection with with something somewhere right and you know it's only when you go through a lot of struggle and strife and you start looking at your problems more than anything else you start leaning on to something you start leaning on to a hope and that hope becomes a very strong a uh, spiritual guiding force and then you start seeing things clearer so i think if if a person hasn't been through hardship good for him good for her but if he has then there are ways to to find a belief system and to figure faith 
you know, to understand where and how you have faith. And I think it starts with the self because you can believe in God. You can believe in any kind of God. But if you're not going to do the work, God's not going to help either. 100%. By faith, you mean faith in the self? Yes. The faith has to be first in the self that I can do this. If I failed and if I tried again with a certain intention, with a certain sincerity, I can do it. I can really do it again. And I think that's what started to help me. Small, small turns, you know, that I would take in, in my map of failure and slowly convert small failures into small successes and then big failures into big successes and so on and so forth. And I'm guessing this is something you cultivated on the go while working in the space for as long as you have been and, of course, experiencing rejections every now and then. Yeah, my work by going through a difficult personal life, by going through uh, a lot of stuff in my childhood, adolescence, married life, children. I mean, life is just an ever-lasting, ever-evolving lesson. And it is time to really learn the lesson. We have to learn the lesson. Otherwise, we are in a rut. We keep making the same mistakes over and over again. So life is your biggest teacher. Life has certain lessons. Those lessons are not meant to be mastered. They're meant to be learned. Yeah, and not running from this stuff because very easily we all fall into patterns of victimhood. So I guess the work is about facing whatever has to be faced head on. Correct. And that's fine because that is the initial reaction to strife and struggle. Why me? But then when it happens repeatedly, you realize that, okay, there is there's, there's a reason why this is happening and I have to learn. <laughs> I have to learn this. We don't learn we let it go and therefore it keeps coming back. We're supposed to learn something from it, fix it and move on. We're not supposed to fix the entire lesson. We have to take something from it and just start reversing small misfortunes, not the, not the whole of it. And it is only when we rely on ourselves is when the universe gives us in abundance. We have to understand that. We have to start helping ourselves for the universe to reward us. It is, it is a given. It's where all the spiritual gurus talk about. It's in all the self-books, self-help. It's in every podcast. <laughs> it's the universal truth. Yeah. I mean, that whole notion that no one is coming to save you and you have to just do the work yourself. I mean, I was listening to Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh, podcast. Yeah, I love, I love his podcast. I love him, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you must, you must, you must get him on your podcast. I mean, he's just, he's just incredible. Big dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but he talks about thoughts, bad thoughts, make you sick. And it is a fact because we, we're so inclined to believe uh, in, you know, that the world is full of negativity and we don't understand how to separate positivity from negativity because we're just always, we're so prone the human condition is prone to a negative mindset. It's so much quicker. It's so much easier to give into. The good stuff is so much harder to do, you know. And um, that's the lesson to learn. That is the lesson to learn, to stop being lazy and to actually follow the right path, which is always the harder route. Oh, for sure. Because we humans are wired for comfort, but... Discomfort is, of course, where the growth lies, which is so much harder to do. So I feel like it's almost about getting out there and making stuff happen. 
and just going against our innate wiring for comfort, which in my view is the biggest challenge of life. But is there any lesson that you'd want to share from your own experience? Of course, only if you're comfortable in sharing. Well, of course, I mean, I'm still learning and I don't think there's anyone who stops learning. Even your old age, you're looking back, you're not looking back or in regret, but you're just looking back at the time that was given to you, you know, and what you could have done with the time. And there's no regret. I mean, we can't really fall into that category. Regret is as useless as guilt. There's nothing that comes from those two emotions. So I think even in your old age, you're looking at the future whenever that ends. Yeah, true. You know, and it will end because that's the life cycle. We're born and we die. We're just looking at the remainder. How better can we make the remaining, the remainder of it? So I think that is the way to go. That is the lesson to learn. And that is the lesson I'm learning the last 45 years, done, dusted. Now, the next 30, 20 years, what am I doing? How have I moved as from a child to, you know, a teenager to, um, you know, an adult and a mother? And what are the other roles that are still impending, you know? And what, how am I going to play out those roles? So I think that is, that is where I think the magic happens. If we can just keep evolving... And with an understanding and with the with the with the seriousness of that understanding, then I think we'll all be fine. I couldn't agree more. And I love what you said about having no regret or guilt, because so many of us just get stuck in the cycle of living our present based on what has not happened so far, like what we've done wrong in the past, past mistakes, and everything then just becomes based on that. So the key is then to be future focused, like, you know what? This has happened, it's done. Now let's look towards the future in a more optimistic way. I feel like that is such a game changer, but not normal for the average human to do, I guess. That that's because that's because they're not meeting people who are evolving as well. They're also stuck in a rut with the same kind of mindset. Now something has to give. You have to break the pattern. You have to break the cycle. You have to give up certain bad habits to renew or to regrow or to even uh, invent, you know, you have to give up a behavioral pattern. There are things that you have to break and then you have to look towards faith and spirituality to help you. And you have to look for inspiration in people. So I think it's a, it's a multi-pronged strategy. I don't think you can do it on your own. You first have to start with saying, okay, these are things I can't do anymore because it hurts me more than anyone else. I become bad when I say this. I, I don't like myself when I do these things. I don't like waking up late. I, my day gets ruined. My, you know, my day gets late. So we start with changing small habits. Then we start getting into the behavioral attitude uh, part of life. And then we realize that, okay, there's so, still so much more digging, soul searching. Then we look for help. Okay, I can't do this. I'm still stuck. Community, accountability, that's where all this stuff comes in the picture. Therapy. Friends, we speak, we get, we go into camps, meditation camps. We start understanding what this whole cosmos uh, holds for gifts that we have no understanding of. And that's when I think things change. They do change. And you have to believe that everyone does change. But the change has, you have to be willing. You have to know that you don't want to live like this anymore. 
So acting becomes that incredible instrument of understanding others. And by understanding others, you get to actually understand yourself more. So if I get a text and I'm supposed to play Mr. X and I have to get into his psychology and I have to understand his emotional behavior, his physical behavior, his his tastes, his aesthetics, etc. As I'm delving into someone else's life, I'm like, oh, my God, I know what I am about. I'm so much more clear with what I have suddenly because I'm not comparing, but I'm looking at somebody else's life so closely and I'm going to be playing that person. So it's a huge responsibility. I think it's safe to say that actors don't really have an issue with change because that's something that comes pretty easy to them. <laughs> so I think the whole idea behind my my uh, understanding of the medium and, is, and, and how I want to impart it is that it's it's an it's an empathetic medium. You understand others and by understanding others you understand yourself and vice versa. You understand yourself first and therefore you understand others. So it's a give and take. It's like a mirror. It's always a mirror to you. Your roles continue to be your mirror. Any kind of role. It's what you can learn from your characters and how grateful you can be for your life through other people. Yeah, absolutely. And storytelling, of course, is a big part of acting and theater. But how would you suggest people to use this skill in other aspects of their life? Great question. Storytelling... First, we have to understand what are so the, the two words, story and telling. So what is the story? Who is in the story? What is the person trying to say? And then you become the vessel for that story. So you tell that story. And how are you telling that story? So you're standing, you're sitting. Are you engaging with an audience? Are you using your voice? What kind of voice are um, uh, are you putting on to 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 tell that story? Um, what are you doing with your hands and your feet? What are you doing with your eyes? Are you maintaining eye contact? Um, like I said, are you using all the tools? Are you using the articulators? And then a certain sense of responsibility as well. Like I have to own the story. I have to make it mine. I have to believe in it. I have to be convinced by it. And once I am, then I can just so effortlessly tell it. So do not be in a rush to tell the story. Understand the story first. If you have to read it 5,000 times, read it. If you have to say it to yourself 5,000 times, say it. Rehearse it. Rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it till you find the way to, to share it. I don't think anything should necessarily necessarily be shared unless it's rehearsed. And the rehearsal actually is the process, is the prep it's the preparation for um, the outside world, how it goes to the outside world. Yeah, I guess all of us at any given point are telling a story in some form or the other. So like you said, it's just about showing your passion in what you do and just saying it out loud with the right techniques. Good. And one doesn't have to be in a hurry to say it out loud. One can just close your eyes. You can close your eyes. You can think about what you're saying. You can take a few deep breaths. And you can just change maybe the little structure that is bugging you and and then say it. Take a couple of take a couple of minutes. You know, we're always in a rush to say things, and invariably we're making a mess of what we're saying because we just want to say it. <laughs> you know, and time is of the essence, and we're always, always under pressure that there's there's this time and this clock ticking, you know. 
and, and that's not necessarily the nicest way to live, to constantly feel this pressure of time. The time is running out. I'm, I'm old. I'm 42. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I mean, no, you can be born at any, at any uh, number and you can have a new life at any number, you know. Yeah. I mean, you switched from banking to acting pretty early on, didn't you? <laughs> you know, after I had my twins in, in 2007, I, I just figured that, look, I mean, I've, I have two children to take care of and working in a bank is not going to really help me be a better mother. So I just decided to, it was a leap of faith I took because I was doing very well at that point uh, at the bank and I had just been promoted and and a lot of a lot of my bosses said, "Don't quit. You know, take just go on extended mater- maternity leave and settle your kids, settle your kids, and come back." But my, I could never settle with my kids. What does that mean? What do you mean by settle? Your kids are going to be your lifelong responsibility, even when they're fifty and you're ninety. You're going to be looking out for them, right? So I just also I was also bored, to be honest. I was not fulfilled at a very so. In, in, in working at the bank or just doing this finance stuff. Like it was, it was interesting for it for as long as it lasted. And then I ran out of my juice for it. So it made perfect sense to go back to the stage. The stage is where I feel most comfort. It's, it's the first love affair. You feel seen on stage and you also help other people feel seen now to the work that you do, which is really cool. Thank you. I hope to. I mean, I hope to continue uh, showing that. And I can. I hope to instill that confidence in in our youth uh, that they can that the stage doesn't mean a conventional stage where they have to get up and and you know act, but they can use this they can use this medium to fulfill all their roads. And you know, the stage is your life. So you, when you when you arrive in life, you are already in a role. Wow, that's really well said. <laughs> I don't know. And- it is. What is an epic being mean to you, Vidushi? Oh, my God. Uh, I think an epic being is somebody who learns from their mistakes and is able to create a clear pathway of a lot of wonderful things to, to still happen to him or her and to be extremely hopeful of a very, very bright future. I think that is what an epic being to me is. Love that. And where would you like people to go check your work out? Oh, well, I'm on Instagram. My Insta is Vidushi Mehra with a double S, V-I-D-U double S-H-I Mehra. I have a lot of insights on acting, on the stuff that I do, uh, on the courses that I have running online as well as in person. So say hello to me on Instagram. And VidushiMehra.com does not have a double S. So uh, that's with the V-I-D-U-S-H-I Mehra.com. And uh, yeah, it's, it's small. It's it's uh, it's sweet and small. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, Sakun. Had a wonderful time chatting with you. And that's the wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this conversation resonated, help spread the value by sharing with a friend and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on Instagram at epic.beings. Also, to stay up to date with weekly episodes, you may want to hit subscribe. Until next time, stay epic.